Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Donut Racing Show, everybody, where we bring a shotgun wedding mindset to the ironclad prenup podium of Formula One. My name is Nolan Sykes, joined by my two co-hosts, my favorite auto journalists and authors of Racing with Energy. Go pick it up. Right now, we got Elizabeth Blackstock. Good morning. And Alanis King. Hi, uh, Nolan. You said Racing with Energy, and I just love that. Oh, like Racing it's like a with motto. Rich Energy. Yes. Well, you guys do race with energy. Racing with Rich Energy is the book. It's about Haas Formula One. You hear me talk about it every week. Go get yourself that copy right now. Guys, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Nolan. How are you? Today's my 30th birthday. <gasps> it's so... your birthday. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Christina told us that last week, and then it was the weekend. And uh, Elizabeth, were we going to do spoken word happy birthday? I'm not going to do it. Spoken word happy Elizabeth birthday. Elizabeth wanted to give you a spoken word happy birthday because we didn't want to sing, and now she doesn't. No, I changed my mind. I thought about it, and then I was like, I cannot. Okay, we had a birthday party on Saturday, and this is like my first birthday party in a while, just because of like COVID, like ever since like 2020, I uh, just haven't done anything. And plus, who cares about celebrating like a 29th birthday or whatever? Um <laughs> So I forgot how awkward it is to kind of stand there as you're being sung to by <laughs> all your friends. And my sister sent me a video of it. I'm just standing there for like the first like 10 seconds. I'm like, uh-huh. Like just like <laughs> nodding my head. <laughs> like, nice. I don't know. It's really strange. Uh, but you know, that everybody goes through that. So I will spare you the spoken word thing because honestly I that sounds. Do it. I I Look. I'll be honest. It sounds I, excruciating. It I does. To so I, I want to avoid that. I, <laughs> I love when things are excruciating. I guess I'm the only yeah, one. I want to spare us all. So yeah, anyway, I appreciate the, the thought though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In today's episode, we are not going to speak happy birthday to Nolan, which is very, very disappointing, but we are going to talk about the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, which is kind of the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's talk about qualifying first of all. The big news of the day was that Red Bull's Max Verstappen suffered a drive shaft failure during the second round and ended up 15th on the starting grid, where we probably would have assumed to see him on the front row. I think Elizabeth was about to say Red Bull's Max Verstappen was on pole, and then he wasn't, so she had to correct herself. Automatically, like, yeah, he's on pole again, but no, there actually was some drama. Yeah, weird kind of failure. Uh, You don't really see a lot of drive shaft failures, I feel like. 
Not in qualifying, at Yeah, least. not in qualifying. Like, that's kind of like a race day thing, but it got him. And Maybe Checo sabotaged him. Ooh. 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 Conspiracy corner. He's over there tinkering with the car in the middle of qualifying <laughs> sessions. Yeah. Yeah, it could happen. Could I'm just happen. kidding. I know we have Checo fans who listen. I am also a Checo fan. Please don't get mad at me. It was a joke. It was, it was me. I was tinkering with it. It was You're me. Welcome. I tinkered with the car. Meanwhile, Ferrari's Charles Leclerc qualified second, but he had a 10-spot penalty because he has already used more than his two allotted control electronic units for this season. So that knocked him down to starting 12th. And reminder, we are two races into the season. <laughs> yes. Two races. He's already already here. That means any other fixes he's got to do on those bits, more penalties. On a positive note, McLaren's rookie Oscar Piastri, as well as Aston Martin's Lance Stroll, both managed to make it into the third round of qualifying for their first respective times ever. That was the first time ever for Lance? That's, yeah, I was shocked too. I had to go look that up afterward just to like double check, but yeah. I mean, as a Lance Stroll fan, Elizabeth, I think you should be ashamed. If we were at trivia night with a bunch of men, they would call <laughs> you not a real fan. Well, I just I just decided I'm a Lance Stroll fan as of like four days ago. Well, so you should know. I I got to get <laughs> yeah, my studying gotta, going. You got to catch up on that backlog. <laughs> yeah, I got to get my yeah. books open. My Lance That's Stroll unreal. textbook. I, th- I would have thought for sure that like during the Pink Panther days, I mean, that car was pretty good. I I thought, huh, that's, that is insane news to me. He just had to break a wrist to get good. I guess. Maybe it like unlo- it unlocks something for him. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of the other green car, Fernando Alonso started second on the grid right behind Red Bull's Sergio Perez on pole. And we had Mercedes's George Russell finished off the top three. Yeah, it definitely wasn't the starting grid that we were expecting to see this weekend. I thought for sure Red Bull was going to lock out that front row with... Uh, Fernando in there somewhere, like maybe fifth with Ferraris and Mercedes in the mix. But no, we got something really uh, novel, I think. Well, what I thought was really interesting was that the whole time after qualifying, Max Verstappen was like, yeah, no way. I'm just going to I'm just going to try my best to get as many spots as possible. There is no way I'm going to win. And then we're like 25 laps in and here's Max. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what a shocker. I was just wondering how many laps it would take for Max to get up to the front. Not like, will he win or not? It was like guaranteed that he's going to be up there Mm -hmm. pretty much. There's no way that boy's finishing outside the top five. It's not going to happen. What was so wild is as he's coming up through the field, he's passing people like they're like fifth graders in (laughs) go-karts. Like he passed Lewis Hamilton and I was like, damn, Wow, there was nothing there. <laughs> yeah, something we it got was, to see. It's really sad. Something we got to see because of uh, all the passing opportunities for Max was just how fast that Red Bull is in a straight line. During the race broadcast, I think I heard that compared to some of the midfield teams, he has like 17 miles per hour on some of the other cars going down with the straights. DRS, with I DRS think. open, with the rear wing open. But still, that's a huge, like, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Normally... It's only like 10 miles per hour or something normally, right? Yeah. So I think a lot of people were misunderstanding this because I saw some people talking about it on Twitter and they were like, they're saying that the Red Bull is 17 miles per hour faster than the other cars with DRS. And like they thought that the Red Bull DRS was 17 miles per hour faster 
when in reality, like DRS in general is like 10 to 12 miles per hour mm -hmm. faster and Red Bull is like an additional five. And I think people were like, no way. And it was like, no, 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 you're misunderstanding it. You're misunderstanding mm -hmm. it. Still a very impressive difference in the cars. But yes. I mean, yeah. So it was just on display yesterday. So many passes with DRS, but also you get to see some of Max's racecraft when the broadcast was showing him. And uh, yeah, uh, I just a very insane car they have. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very interesting when you have someone with a good car who is talented starting in the middle of the field and you can see what they can do. And I enjoyed watching him come up through the field, even though I kind of expected it to be a little harder, honestly. Here's something to keep in mind as well. With these new cars that came out last season, we have a lot more emphasis on ground effect and, you know, that creates less turbulent air for the cars behind, so you can follow easier. Something we used to see a lot, not a lot, but we would occasionally see Lewis in his Mercedes a few years ago also have to start near the back of the field and work his way through. And it wouldn't be a guarantee that he could make it all the way to the front because of the uh, turbulence mm -hmm. that would take such a huge toll on the mechanical grip of his tires. So that's also something kind of interesting to keep in mind. If we see more instances of Max having to start near the back is that the cars are a lot more slipperier and they're able to follow for a lot longer uh, compared to the older cars. And that helps him work his way through the field. Mm -hmm. Not to take anything away from him, but that's just, you know, just an interesting thing. We're seeing the rule changes work. Yes. <laughs> Not exactly a super exciting one this weekend, but it was still kind of interesting. I think it was funny. Like, maybe it wasn't, like, super exciting, but it was very funny. Like, there were a lot of jokes to be made during this race. Yeah, it was a weird one. Let's let's get into it a little bit. Over at McLaren, Oscar Piastri had to replace his front wing pretty much immediately after a bit of damage from contact with Pierre Gasly, which kicked Oscar from 8th place down to 20th in Ooh. the last position. Yeah, not fun. Lando Norris also had to head to the pits for a new front wing by lap 3. And around lap 48, Norris was told not to make it too hard for Piastri, which is kind of an interesting radio uh, message there. So we had a glimmer of hope from Piastri starting in eighth position. We're like, okay, the terrible race that we saw and bad-looking car we saw in Bahrain, that's kind of over with. Norris is qualifying. He had a bit of a snafu, which is why he started so far back. It wasn't just based on outright pace. Mm -hmm. um, so we're like, okay, we're going to see some McLaren magic this weekend, maybe. No. Um, no, we, we had some bad, more bad luck from McLaren. I mean, it could be magic, but I think it was black magic. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yielded against them. Maybe. Well, what I thought was really interesting about the McLaren situation is that in Formula One, everyone's really sensitive and there's a lot of politics and like everybody gets all ruffled really, really fast. So of all of the times to use the don't make it too hard for Oscar card, <laughs> why would you use that when you're running like 17th? Like, yeah, maybe if you're running 8th and 9th. I don't know. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't he can, matter. He can make it as hard for Oscar as he wants. Like, he can make it impossible to pass him. It does like... Nothing not is on the line for anything. Nothing You're not is doing anything. Exactly. Nothing is on the line. You might as well like practice some race moves or something. Like make it difficult for each other. It was just like an odd time to pull that card because of the fact that Formula One is just so sensitive and everyone's like, ooh, I'm not the number one driver anymore. Or, ooh, I am the number one driver. Or, ooh, I'm going to quit this team. Like 
it just seemed like the wrong move. Yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong on that. And I don't think we've even seen McLaren be McLaren yet. They obviously struggled in Bahrain, but this week, a lot of their issues were other people. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, I don't know. It, it was just, a, it's an odd strategy all around to already be playing the mind games with your drivers when there was nothing on the line other than finishing the race. I mean, I guess if you don't want them to hit each other, but also just like they're not going to hit each other because avoidable contact is a penalty in Formula One. Like it's just the wrong time to play mind games and you have to play mind games at the right time in Formula One. And that is Mm -hmm. why Christian Horner is as successful as he is. (laughs) Yeah. But we also had um, Yuki Tsunoda. Wow. He started 16th. And he finished 11th. Yeah. He was just out of the points. Kevin Magnuson passed him. and I mean, he was up in 10th for a long time. Ho- uh-huh. Held off mm-hmm. another Haas driver, uh, Nico Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg. Uh, held him off for a little bit. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, unfortunately passed by Kevin Magnuson. Um, and then Yuki yelped. He was, he was like, yeah. ah! Like, he was just like, he came on the radio and just did this, like, little yelp. Like... It was cute. He's so funny. (laughs) The funniest thing about that is that with the radios on these cars, you have to press a button to talk. Yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So he pressed a button to Yelp. I feel like I read somewhere recently, and I cannot remember exactly where, but Yuki apparently likes to be communicative Mm -hmm. because he likes that to be shared with the fans. (laughs) So he knows these things are going to be broadcast, and he knows that they're going to hear people. Like, people are going to hear him being emotional and having feelings about these things. And that's why he does it, which I thought, like, I think that's really, it's kind of cute. I do think that's kind of cute. And I also think that, like, racing drivers in general don't have enough of a, like, wrestling personality. Like, I think more, (laughs) I think more racing drivers should be, like, Ricky Bobby and, like, not exactly Ricky Bobby's genre. You could choose that if you want. But, like... You need to have a bit and commit to it. Like Daniel Ricardo and his facial hair. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. you know what? Yuki Sonoda, he's trying to tell us things. Like he's trying to get attention on himself. And that is something that you should do. It's very relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like when I was like 11 years old in Halo 2 lobbies and I would talk <laughs> on the microphone because I liked the talk. sound of my own voice. And I thought it was <laughs> awesome that you could just talk to other people. Meanwhile, there's like some like, 20 year old stoner who has to listen to this 11 year old kid who sucks at the game try to be funny <laughs> nolan what uh, were you saying though i don't know just talking okay but like bits. i'm playing halo with you right now and i just like i was probably like hey how you, you doing everybody i remember saying that distinctly oh, okay. at my friend at my friend scott call's house when we we're playing halo 2 just asking people how they're doing <laughs> but <laughs> can you talk after you've been killed in halo uh, I mean, you could talk to your team the whole time, but I think some of the newer games, some of these newer shooters have like proximity chat. So Call of Duty, for example, Modern Warfare <laughs> 2, if you sh- if you kill somebody, you hear what they say for like a second and it's pretty hilarious. What do they uh, say? Just like, you'll just hear like, ah! <laughs> someone's like, that's like, that's like yeah. me when I'm in the bath and my husband is playing Call of Duty like two rooms over and I just hear like this like primal scream yeah. and I know yeah. he got killed. Yeah, that's, that's exactly beautiful. what we heard with Yuki when he got passed. 
I don't know if this is me. So like me, I've really struggled with Nico Hulkenberg since he made a whole stink about the pink cars. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I'm a man. I don't drive pink cars. Go drive for Ferrari then. Anyway, but is anyone else like just not noticing that Nico Hulkenberg exists? I was going to say the exact same thing, actually. Like Nolan mentioned that Yuki was fighting with Nico and I was like, oh yeah, (laughs) he races in the series. I I forgot about that. I'm forgetting that he's like a Formula One driver again. And I don't know if this is like my Nico Hulkenberg bias because like the pink car thing made me mad. I guess it's not though. No, I mean, maybe I'm also biased and I just don't. Because it made you mad. (laughs) But yeah, I was going to say like we haven't. Since the start of the season, when they signed him and they made this big deal about, oh, but handsome Nico Hulkenberg is back. Like, since then, it feels like he kind of fell off the face of the earth. Because, I mean, like, what other bit does he have other than saying, I'm so handsome? Like, great. He doesn't have one. That's awesome, Nico. He has no other interesting factors. I'm going to make it my mission to learn about Nico Hulkenberg. (laughs) I want to learn about his personality and his interests. Yeah. Like, does he like painting? What kind of music does he listen to? I don't, yeah, I don't know. I would like to humanize Nico Hulkenberg in my mind. Let's and do maybe it. Maybe I'll pay more attention. Okay, this is our assignment. If you have any Nico Hulkenberg facts, tweet them at us at Donut Racing Show. Like, tell us about Nico Hulkenberg. Make us fans. He may not make us fans of him, but you can. Donut Racing Show, hit us up. I actually am very curious about this man. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Let's move on to Mercedes. Let's check in with them. Mercedes is actually improving. It's a good sign. They finished fourth and fifth this weekend. And George Russell was quoted during his last push, I'm pushing like a madman at the moment. I'm pushing like a madman at the moment. Just keep pushing like a madman. Which he was. The words he chooses to say. It was so I'm funny. I'm pushing like a madman at the moment. Yeah. Like, okay. It's adorable, honestly. <laughs> Afterward, he said he was pleased with his performance, despite the fact that he missed out on the podium. Which was a whole thing. That's that's a whole fiasco we're about to get into. But Toto Wolf said, and I quote, I think the car is going to look very different in five, six, or seven races based on the decisions that we have taken and the development direction that we have embarked on. Uh, I believe for the past month or so, Toto and other folks on the team have actually hinted that the car is set to have some significant upgrades uh, and will look like a whole new car. So we might see 
Mercedes continuing to do better, or we might not. They might also just drop off the face of the earth because they implemented these new things too late. Who knows? I'm optimistic, but also I'm like so worried that the next evolution of the car, it's inevitable that's going to have some problems mm-hmm. on its first race, first couple races. So I, it's most likely a test bed for their 2024 car rather than being something that will just completely change their fortunes around. But we'll see, you know. I think one of the really interesting things is like this mindset of car development where you show up to a season with the previous year's car, basically, and then upgrade halfway through the year. We haven't seen that kind of stuff in years. Like that was way more common uh, in the history of Formula One where you'd have like no one had the money over the off season to be able to do anything. So they just kind of brought the old cars out. Um, I know that Mercedes obviously made some upgrades, but it's really it's interesting that we're about to see a brand new vehicle essentially uh, hitting the track that, you know, just it's just not something we've actually, like most teams are doing. They want to be ready when they get to the first race. That's very interesting. Alex Albon had a oh. scary radio message on lap 27. Quote, oh my God, brake failure. It was pretty scary. You don't want brakes uh, to fail. When you're going I, I thought you were stopping after you don't want brakes. And I was like, no, that was the problem, Nolan. <laughs> you don't want them to fail when you're going 200 miles an hour down the front straight. Uh, yeah, he was kind of like putting it around the following lap. And then by lap 29, he was in the pit stall and had retired the car. Tough luck for Alex Albon, uh, a guy that we want to see score some points. You know, we want to. I like seeing Albon do well. Seems like a good guy. It was really interesting to watch Alex just go so slowly around the track. Like, yeah. this track has a lot of corners that you cannot see around. And you're, yeah. like, seeing these clips of him driving so slowly. And there are these corners behind them that if people are coming, they are not going to see him. Yeah. I think as, like, a race engineer or someone on the pit wall, that's a very uh, stressful time for Alex's team. Or you're an engineer on another team seeing uh, Albon goes slowly around that digital race map they have, and you're trying to like, you're just like guiding your driver. Do not hit this guy. Uh, yeah, it seemed a little dangerous to be honest. But if you don't have brakes, that's also very dangerous. So what's interesting about Formula One is that unlike most racing series, Formula One doesn't have spotters. And like most of the time, you watch a racing series, and every single driver has one or more spotters. Like so, when NASCAR goes to Circuit of the Americas this weekend, they will have multiple spotters stationed in different areas around the track. And what those spotters do is they're like behind you, in front of you, outside, inside. They tell you where all the cars are, and they like help you see what's around you when you cannot see it, right? And they just give you an idea of what's going on on track. Formula One doesn't have this. <laughs> Which is insane to me. It's crazy. Like, it's absurd. And what's so funny about the cultural difference in Formula One is that one of my friends said when Roman Grosjean came over to IndyCar after he got done with Formula One, he's like doing laps and there are multiple voices on the radio. And at some point, the spotter comes on the radio and he's like, inside, inside, inside. And Roman is like, who the f- is that? <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, Robot, that's your spotter. (laughs) And he's like, what the f*** is a spotter? (laughs) Just a really funny, weird cultural difference that like Formula One, they'll just let Alex Albon go real slow out there. And like if a car comes around the corner, bam, whatever. Mm. Yeah. Another exhilarating battle on track was Charles Leclerc versus his own strategists. Uh, Around lap 20, you got some advice 
to, quote, try to push from the safety car line one. Lewis Hamilton just pitted. Leclerc said, quote, Zavi, you need to tell me that before. Uh, The guy replied uh, very uh, uh, sheepishly. He says, copy. Then Leclerc says, no, come on. Then at lap 34, running behind his teammate, Carlos Sainz, Charles says, quote, being behind like this is really So not a fun weekend for Charles Leclerc. Does he ever have a fun weekend? No, I don't think so. I think it's really impressive that we're two races into the season and we already have a fully broken man. Yes. It's not good. It's it's so sad. Like he came on the radio multiple times during this race and I was like, oh, honey, like he's just feeling it. He's going through all the emotions. Yeah. What's really interesting is I think in order to enjoy sports and entertainment and stuff like this, we compartmentalize these characters into like a really small portion of their lives. So like Charles Leclerc, we look at him and we're like, this poor man, like he's so broken and sad. And like he is. And that's a very fun way to look at him. But I also like wonder what is the rest of his life like? Like Mm -hmm. what is the rest of his life like outside of him being broken and sad and like awful on this racetrack? Like, does he enjoy things? Like, does he, like, go and do things? Like, does this eat away at him? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope he's uh, getting some endorphins some other I way. I hope he's happy. <laughs> yeah. You put in all this work, and you're not getting, like, a gratifying result out of it. And also, you you get moments like this where you're wondering, like, I'm on Ferrari, for God's sake. Yeah. Like, one of the greatest teams of all time. And we still can't, like, the most basic things are not communicated to me. It must, I think I expressed this sentiment last season, but it's just like the frustration that this man must be feeling on race two, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, yeah, on race mm-hmm. two. Must be incredible. All right, let's, let's dive into Aston Martin, oh, which yes. was, it was a whole thing this weekend. Fernando Alonso earned his 100th F1 podium. That is 100 more than Nico Hulkenberg. Correct. <laughs> Brutal. Uh, I'm remembering that he's out there, Nolan. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Uh, but Fernando earned it and then unearned it and then re-earned it. So let's let's figure out how that happened. Yes. Uh, on the first lap, he had a great start and he pulled out ahead of Sergio Perez, but he had parked a little too far left in his starting box. Uh, So he got a five-second penalty, just like we saw with Esteban Ocon during that last Grand Prix in Bahrain. Uh, I thought it was also very funny that the broadcasters said that Alonso had last led a start in 2012. That's so long ago. I was still in high school. (laughs) Me too. Yikes. That's awful. Uh, the, The lead for Fernando did not last particularly long. On lap four, Sergio Perez managed to overtake him because those Red Bulls are freaking fast. Uh, and on lap 19, Fernando served his five-second penalty during a safety car. And then we got some drama. Afterward, the stewards said that he did not serve his penalty correctly, just like our old Stebby did last week. Stebby! It's a... It's a <laughs> like... Just a repeat of that. Let me just say that I love the person who um, photoshopped Esteban Ocon on a little Debbie package and tweeted us little Stebby. That was beautiful. Thank you. I've saved that on my phone so that I can look at that when I'm sad. Uh (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Alonzo was passed by Verstappen. So he ended up third-ish 
and he celebrated on the podium. But after the race, the stewards decided that actually Alonzo should have a 10 second penalty for the incorrect time served, which effectively took away his 100th podium. Uh, If it had been a mere five seconds, he would have kept his podium place against George Russell. I think the weirdest part was Fernando's reaction to this. Uh, He took it well and also didn't take it well. He told Sky Sports, it doesn't hurt much, to be honest. I was on the podium. I did the pictures. I took the trophy. I celebrated with champagne. Now I have apparently three points less. I don't have 15. I have 12. He also did tell Sky Sports that uh, he thought this was a poor show from the FIA. And I quote, you cannot apply a penalty 35 laps after the pit stop. They had enough time to inform about the penalty. If I knew that, maybe then I opened up 11 seconds to the car behind. Today, we didn't put on a good show for our fans. I know the team is trying to review it with the stewards now because we didn't understand fully the second penalty. What happened in this penalty was the rear jack to lift up Alonzo's car, touched his car before the five-second penalty had been completed. It's the semantics of the Formula One rulebook here in play. The steward said, actually, that's working on the car, and so you're not allowed to do that. Aston Martin argued, actually, no, touching it with the jack stand is not working on the car. We didn't change anything. We didn't do anything. It just touched it, and it's fine. So... After a few hours, after they had taken the the uh, the trophy from Fernando and given it to George Russell, the FIA is like, actually, we've reviewed it because Aston Martin wanted us to review it, and we've overturned our decision. Uh, they said there was no clear agreement, as was suggested to the stewards previously, that could be relied upon to determine that parties had agreed that a jack touching the car would amount to working on the car. In the circumstances, we consider that our original decision to impose a penalty on car 14 needed to be reversed, and we did so accordingly. That's a lot. As soon as I saw that Jack come out during the race, I was like, that's going to be a that's going to be a problem. I want to give a a hats off a little clap clap to everybody on Twitter who probably saw the same thing, but didn't be a snitch and tweet about it as well. (laughs) Like I was, you know, good on us. We didn't snitch. And I want to I want to congratulate everybody. That was great. We did good. (laughs) No, I was going to say, as Fernando mentioned, 30 some laps after that pit stop is kind of unacceptable Mm -hmm. for that. Like, I feel like they should have had an answer to that before the end of the race. Uh, This is something that plagues Formula E a lot, actually. uh, And that was why I thought it was really funny. Formula E is chronically imposing post-race penalties after everyone has celebrated the, the oh podium, uh, which it, it removes a lot of the credibility of the series, and it's part of why people don't like it. And so seeing the exact same thing in Formula One is really embarrassing when it like you should have the ability to make these rapid decisions. Like You would think the stewards would be prepared, and if they weren't sure, they wouldn't have imposed a penalty the way they did, or they would have asked to wait until the, they'd reviewed it was it was just nonsense well i think there were like a lot of weird things here um one if a jack touching a car was considered working on a car then i feel like a lot more people would be fulfilled in their project cars um, <laughs> yeah for real my car was on <laughs> jack stands for like six months so i was working on it for six months definitely there we go you were working on it that whole time yeah. um 
too, if the FIA was looking at it and didn't have like a final decision, they still should have alerted them sooner because we didn't get the alert that they were looking at it until like the end of the race. Like it was way, way later. Um, And then when we go back, Aston Martin's argument to the FIA was that this is inconsistent. They showed other teams with the jack touching the car during these penalties and said, you didn't penalize this, therefore you can't penalize us. That was what made the FIA overturn it. And what I think is really interesting about these post-race penalties and a reason why we hate them so much is because it's kind of like a precedent set. And the precedent was set before the internet era. So like in NASCAR, NASCAR for a long time did not take away wins. Um, Even if you like, you could literally come to the track in a rocket ship and if they didn't catch it before the race, like, and you won in it, They would be like, well, we're penalizing you every single point, but we're not going to take away your trophy. And that stemmed from the pre-internet era when series like NASCAR did not want fans to go home and read the paper the next day and see a different winner than they saw at the track. They felt like that took away from the racing product. And even in the internet era, I feel like it still does. Like you see someone on track doing something, winning, getting a podium, whatever, and you leave and it changes and you're like, huh, like it just kind of feels like it was all a lie unless they're really, 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 really cheating, you know? And this is one of those instances where it was like, eh, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, we saw this exact thing happen at the Rolex 24 this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the winning team, My- Meyer Shank Racing, was accused of having incorrect, incorrectly inflated tires and they're an Acura team, and Honda snitched on them actually. So they Whoa, get to yeah, they get to keep the Rolex watches that they've won, but they don't get to keep the points. And they had to pay a big fine, and like all of this other stuff happened. I guess they just hate Fernando in Formula One. That's why we had to take away his trophy. <laughs> it was just and it, not exhaust. I mean, look, I was sitting on my couch on Twitter. It was not exhausting in any way, but uh, it it was exhausting. And again, just another. Just another chip away at the altar of, of motorsport, degrading it ever more. Damn, uh, Nolan. I mean, it's just like, look, when people say, you know, people online say that they don't like F1 for these certain reasons, like stuff like this is like, okay, I got to I got to give it to you, I guess. <laughs> like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, Formula One is a classic case of an over officiated sport formula one will penalize you for having like a crash that was just a racing incident formula one will mm-hmm. penalize you for weaving on the straightaway like what i'm sorry you breathed wrong uh, so penalty that's you five have a seconds. nose ring penalty yeah. it's like what and then you go to somewhere like you go to a different racing series like in nascar like two weeks ago or a week ago or whatever one driver denny hamlin crashed another driver on purpose, Ross Chastain. And then on Monday, he goes on his podcast and admits it. And NASCAR penalized him because he talked about it on his podcast. They said if he hadn't talked about it on his podcast, we wouldn't have penalized him. And it's like every other motorsport is just a wild west. And Formula One is like, do not breathe at the wrong interval or we will get you. Mm -hmm. It's wild. Meanwhile... Alonzo's teammate, Lance Stroll, had a bit of a bummer for a race. Uh, the Canadian started in fifth place, making it to the third round of qualifying for the first time, as we said earlier. Uh, he passed Carlos Sainz into fourth place on turn 13 during the opening lap. Some good racecraft from the young man and 
<laughs> Disney original How old movie, is he, older Nolan? brother. I don't know. He's probably my age, to be honest. Lance Strolovich is 24 years old. 24. He okay. was born in October of 1998. Does he have a middle name? His middle name is Jacob. Jacob. Anyway, uh, Aston Martin had to pit him in a way where uh, Lance unfortunately lost quite a few positions. By lap 17, Stroll was told to pull off uh, with marshals spraying the front brakes to cool them off. Uh, he had to stop on track, which brought out a full course caution safety car. Um, and then he was out. Aston Martin posted on Twitter, quote, the team are still investigating the cause, but there was a reduction in energy recovery. That kind of sucks because, again, another race where we're not, we're, we don't see the full potential of the Aston Martin team because of a, a malfunction in Lance's car. It was really sad, too, because Lance cranked out a banger of a lap in the final moments of qualifying. Like, he almost looked like he was going to be on the front row, but he did kind yes. of screw up a little bit in the final sector. Yeah. Um, but still, like, fifth place is not a bad starting position for him. Especially because he's never started that high before. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was just, I felt so bad. Like, I I decided he was my favorite after qualifying. And then this happened. I feel like I'm a bad luck charm. No. <laughs> that hurts, uh, Elizabeth. It I does think hurt. in these next two races, two or three races, I think we're going to we're gonna see even more uh, Aston Martin uh, magic, I think. Um, we're still too early in the season, I think, for teams to bring like significant changes where other midfield teams can challenge Aston Martin. So I think with the confidence that Fernando has now with two podiums in the first two races, and I mean, that's also, even though Lance has had some bad luck, I think that confidence is definitely going to uh, brush off on him because Lance knows that this what this car is capable of. And like you said, like that last qualifying lap, if he didn't have messed up that last sector. He was on a cranker, okay? Like, I think we're going to see some podiums out of Lance this season as well. Not just Alonso. I hope so. Yeah. My one comment about Lance Stroll is there's this Lance Stroll fan on Twitter, and I don't know their Twitter name, but I know it's a picture of Lance Stroll with a pink background. And they have told me multiple times that Lance Stroll's favorite ice cream is mint chocolate chip. I don't know if this mm. is true or not, but I can see it. I can't see That's it. my only comment about Lance Stroll. That's why that's why his daddy bought Aston Martin, so his car so could be like mint chocolate green chip green ice cream. cream. Just like his mint chocolate chip ice cream. Wow. Um, <laughs> so on the topic of disappointed daddies, um, I'm sure Lance Stroll's dad was disappointed that he had to pull off track. Max Verstappen's dad was also disappointed, and I think we should talk about Red Bull. What do we think? I think we gotta. All right, so... Max Verstappen, as we said, started in 15th. He had this great climb up to second, right? He got the fastest lap. That was a whole thing in itself. Um, and it seemed like his car wouldn't make it for a little bit. He was having some issues. like So he had those drive shaft issues in qualifying. We were seeing more potential drive shaft issues. He said, it, my car makes these noises at high speeds. And I was like, yeah, dude, like just turn up the radio. Like, that's what <laughs> everybody else does. Just it's, Ignore it. It's fine. Um, that was around lap 37. He was like, oh, it's making a weird noise. <laughs> Welcome to our world. Um, Sergio Perez just killed it from start to finish. He was out front. He was way ahead. He was like, he held a five second lead to Max for a long time once Max made it up to second. It 
looked like Max was gaining on him for a little while, but then those issues started and he started hearing noises. I don't know. Um, Around lap 44, Sergio Perez had his gap to Max at around four seconds. He was told to slow down, manage the car, chill, you're going to win anyway. Uh, He was suspicious, though, because they told him to run 133.0. They were like, just hold it there. And then he finds out that Max Verstappen is running a 132.6. Ooh, is there a conspiracy here? And Red Bull's answer was basically like, yeah, we told Max to also run 133s, but he ended up running 132.6s. So you can do that if you want. Then we have like this whole drama with fastest lap. Round lap 46, Max Verstappen says, uh, what's the fastest lap? And his team is like, we are not concerned about that at the moment, Max. Yeah, but I am. Okay, it's a 32-1. And it ended up Max Verstappen got fastest lap. Checo was kind of mad about that. Max was kind of mad about that. Like, Checo's suspicious that they're giving Max an extra point because this extra point actually kept Max in the lead in the championship. So had Sergio Perez gotten that extra point, boom, he is up there, right? No. No, he's still in second. Unfortunate. Um, both of them gave very sassy post-race interviews. Um, Checo shrugged off that he almost led the championship, if not for the fastest lap point. Um, and then Max said he settled for a second. Later on, Max said the quiet part out loud and said, I am not here to finish second, which is really funny because Max has a teammate in the same car and he says, I'm not here to finish second. Oof. Yikes. Yeah, I think it just shows the natural kind of competitive nature of not only being on an F1 team, but being on the team that has the best car right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, I, I've i been thinking about this a lot. I don't know if Sergio can stave off Max if he's in a position where, let's say, Sergio qualifies first, uh, qualifies on pole a couple more times this season. What will it take for him to win that race again? Will will Max have to be far down the grid again uh, for him to have a chance at winning another race? I, I, you know, I'm, I'm rusty. My knowledge, I for, I forgot, but I can't think of too many other races where they've started one two and Sergio has gone on to take the win. Yeah, and I mean, I think to some degree it goes back to what Alex Albon said, that car is set up for Max, and everybody else is just fighting with it. Like, they're fighting to make it work for them. And what was really interesting is you can kind of hear it in their voices that they're just like, they've got this drama because um, the team comes over the radio to Checo, and they're like, target 32.6 plus 0.4. And Checo goes, is Max doing the same? And the team says, Max's last lap was a 32.6. And Checo said, I mean, so why you tell me to do a 33? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's Yikes. It's really, it's tough to watch. And it's only going to get worse from here because they are one, two in the championship. They are both going to want to win. Obviously, like we're not at the point in the season yet where there's enough of a definition about who has succeeded and been better than the other one. We have a win from each. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna it's gonna get spicy like it's and it, i don't want to be i wouldn't want to be in either one of their shoes right now again daniel no. ricardo is there to make sure it's not spicy <laughs> i i don't know i'm i'm excited for this i i do want to see 
I want to see another, uh, like a just head to head competition for the rest of the season, you know, like just for, from a, a spectating perspective, I want to see a fight to the end like we saw in 2021 between Lewis mm-hmm. Hamilton and Mercedes, like Lewis Hamilton versus Nico Rosberg back in 2016. That was a long time ago. But also, um, dads. So does anyone want to tell me what happened with Max Verstappen's dad after the race? He looked like he ate a sour lemon. He really did. So everybody's like celebrating, doing their thing on the podium. Red Bull, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, we won. And Jos Verstappen is just like dead face. Seething, yeah. Seething. Uh, yeah, the post-race, not not before they got on the podium, uh, you know, Sergio's climbing out of his car. He runs over to the Red Bull team and like, you know, jumps into the over the over the fence there and uh, into the arms of his team. And it's really funny because you watch the footage Sergio is like on his team. Everyone's like slapping him on the back and stuff, but his butt is like right next to Yoss's face. <laughs> and Yoss so is just good. like uh, stone faced right there. Uh, pretty funny image. And you know what? I love to see it. I love to see a seething, mad, inconsolable Yoss Verstappen. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy, you know? Could not happen to a nicer <laughs> guy. Uh, we, we love that guy. Big Yoss Verstappen fans here. <laughs> To sum it all up, the podium was Sergio Perez, followed by Max Verstappen. Usually it's the other way around, so that part was exciting. And then Fernando Alonso after his whole thing. Um, George Russell came in fourth, and he was about 5.1 seconds behind Fernando. And then Lewis Hamilton was behind him. Then Carlos Sainz, then Charles Leclerc. Ooh, just a real, real... Blah day no, for Ferrari. Bad day for Ferrari. One to forget for I sure. I wouldn't call it. I wouldn't call it a bad day because like Ferrari does have some bad days, but That's like true. a blah day. Yeah. Just yeah. like which is better than a bad day. Fair. I think. Fair. Then after that, we have Stebby Ocon, Pierre Gasly, Kevin Magnuson. They all got points. Haas picking up some points. Hell yeah, good for them. Not from Nico though. Not from Nico. The fastest lap, as we mentioned, went to Max Verstappen at the very last second. So that means Sergio Perez is still second in the World Drivers Championship. And Max got driver of the day. Not really surprising. He did have a stunning drive. Uh, And our DNFs for the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix were Lance Stroll and Alex Albon. Bye, boys. Sorry about that. Overall, it was an okay race. Kind of. There were some boring moments, but Mm -hmm. there was some spicy stuff peppered in there. Which is fine. <laughs> that's pretty normal, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. That was a great. It could have been worse. There, there was a safety car, and people debated whether there should have been a safety car too. And of course, uh, a, a bungled rule call by the FIA. You know, we love that. Thank you, FIA. Yes. All right, it's time now for boyfriend of the week. Woo! <laughs> Boyfriend of the week is our recurring segment where we choose who's the best. We who who do we want to be our boyfriend? It can be anybody. It can be a driver. It can be a car. It could be someone online. Could be a dad. <laughs> Not Yas Verstappen. That's for no. sure. Who's good enough to be our boyfriend this week? Remember, this is middle school rules, so it's just for this week only. Uh, Liz, how about you lead us off? All right, I am going to pick Kevin Magnuson because K-Mag. I think he. I think he made a forbidden comment during his post-race interview. Oh. Tell me more. Yeah, he was uh, he was gushing to Rosanna Tennant after the race that the midfield battle is so tight, 
that it, quote, seems like IndyCar. Oh, yeah. And Rosanna Tennant was like, ah, 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 okay, that's enough <laughs> of that. We're done with that. Uh, I don't think we're allowed to say the Indianapolis cars are good. I don't Damn. think we're allowed to say that, which is sad. Which is actually uh, kind of weird because, like, look at Formula One. <laughs> I was going to say, like, it shouldn't be a competition, but that's fine. It's, oh. it's all right. It's it's IndyCar. They're racing at Texas Motor Speedway in two weeks. Yeah, like, it's fine. <laughs> it's honestly fine if you say that yeah. the IndyCar competition is decent because, yes, they are Because it's a spec at, series. <laughs> yes, they are racing at Texas Motor Speedway. You will survive Formula yeah. One. But Kevin said the naughty word. He said IndyCar. I'm surprised they didn't bleep it out, honestly. And for that, he is my boyfriend of the week. Good for Kevin. Uh, my boyfriend of the week... Fernando Alonso. Nice. His attitude after getting the win taken away, f- or not the win, sorry, the, the podium. <laughs> it was a win for Aston Martin, That's let's so be good. honest. <laughs> um, might as well be. You know, his attitude during that whole uh, rule thing, I mean, just the positivity and the confidence, that's the, that's the positivity of someone who knows they have a really good car and knows mm-hmm. that their team is going to do something with it this season, you know? And uh, I can't wait to see how far Aston Martin Aston Martin takes it this year. My husband um during the race asked me to describe Fernando Alonso like on a on a normal day. Fernando Alonso was very happy and great this weekend and has been this year. But I was like, you know when you go to a friend's house and they have an old dog and they're like, "Hey, like don't pet that dog. He might bite you." Mm-hmm. That's how I described mm. Fernando. And my husband yeah. was like, Oh, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that, that seems about right. Um, mm-hmm. My boyfriend of the week is the Ferrari social admin. And we discussed this in our group chat. It's because Ferrari always says, we do not have a favorite driver. We do not have a number one. We do not have a number two. And then you log on Instagram and you see Charles Leclerc getting in his little ice bath, okay? And he has like, like a film crew, slow-mo, high-def video, and he has like a song playing in the background as he's slowly lowering himself into this ice bath. <laughs> and then they also post an ice bath video from Carlos Sainz, and it is the man sitting in the ice bath on the selfie camera <laughs> with a rubber duck. And I'm like, you don't have a favorite driver? The selfie camera versus the video crew? You don't have a favorite driver. We believe you. Ferrari. You know why they do that? I think it's because it's because uh, Carlos is like a bit of a goofster. He's a bit of a doofus. You know, he's goofy. He's silly. So I think like you can't have the hot and goofy streams cross. I think is I what think it you is. Can. You can, but like not in like an obvious like. You gotta choose That's one. Fair. You gotta choose one. I think, and like <laughs> Carlos has too many moments now. He has, he has he's had too many like meme faces, right? Like yeah. the the Miami Grand Prix football helmet pick is like the funniest. <laughs> it's like the funniest he's picture. Salute, it, he's doing a he's salute. saluting for some reason, <laughs> and it's so funny. And I use it all the time. Like anytime I want to acknowledge something, I just like the it's Carlos too funny. So like saluting. So. Honestly, they should lean in more to Carlos being hilarious. But do we think Carlos wants to be hot? I don't care if he wants to be hot. He, I mean, he's a good-looking dude. But Charles, obvious, like Charles is like the heart. Doesn't have anything else going for him. That's so true. He wore a banana suit, though. That's true. But that was in 2020. We were all kind of going through it, 
you know. <laughs> so it was okay. <laughs> yeah. Wore the banana yeah. suit in so that doesn't take anyway. I think yeah. You I got you got your hottie. Guy. You got your hottie, and you got your silly guy. I mean, they're both they're both good looking dudes, obviously. But like, I think they should lean into it more. Carlos, you do the funny stuff. Charles, get back in that ice bath. Um, <laughs> Charles, get in the ice <laughs> yeah. bath. What's like, Charles's I, middle name? Oh, he has like four middle names. So, yeah, so he's, he's Monogast. He's got like a million of them. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't like really yell at him. No. Uh, with no. his middle. Oh my, Charles Mark Hervé Percival Leclerc. Get in yeah. the ice bath. Damn, <laughs> yeah. that is a mouthful. Wow. Okay, I think there's a lot to be discussed here. I think we can go really deep on the Ferrari topic, um, but not today. Today, we are leaving. Thank you so much for listening to the Donut Racing Show. We will be back next week to prepare you for the upcoming Australian Grand Prix. Ooh. And we will do a deep dive on why the Formula One calendar is organized the way it is. Hint, it's about money and history, and logistics. Ooh, love logistics. Me too. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe and tell all your friends to tune into the Donut Racing Show. Get up on the rooftops and start screaming it out. Do what Please. you gotta do. <laughs> and if you want to leave us a five-star and kindly worded review, that's awesome. That would really help us out. If you're not familiar with Donut Media, we have a YouTube channel as well as an automotive history podcast called Past Gas. Check them both out. Uh, this week, our guests on Past Gas are L Elizabeth Blackstock and Alanis King from this Who's show that? that you're listening to. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we're talking about uh, Jim Clark this week, so check that out. Follow DRS on Twitter at The Donut Racing Show. Follow Alanis on Twitter and Instagram at Alanis N. King. Follow Liz at Aliz underscore Blackstock on Twitter and Eliza Blackstock on Instagram. And follow me at Nolan J. Sykes on both. We'll see you next time. Bye.